Hello and welcome back to How About That Crypto, your home for crypto Web3 news and updates with your host, Bitcoin Stylist. Today's news and updates are to share what has happened over the last week with regards to all of the Sam Bankman-Fried interviews, the FTX crash and contagion. We got SBF or Sam Bankman-Fried going on a PR tour divulging little but big nuggets of information. More shenanigans have been uncovered regarding Alameda and FTX, and Forbes makes a shocking announcement. Is FBF sh is SBF shady or just an incompetent business person? Not to worry, I'll explain it all, but first, like, subscribe, follow, and comment. Spread this information around. We need to make sure we're dispelling FUD and separating the asset class from human greed, error, poor ethics, moral issues, etc. All right, there's a human mistake here, not necessarily a mistake of the technology or the asset class. Um, don't forget, this is not financial advice. Use the links below to do your own research. All right, so Sam Bankman-Fried is the owner of FTX and Alameda, both which have collapsed and bringing the greater crypto market down with it. FTX was the third largest crypto exchange in the world, and Alameda was a hedge fund that invested in so many startups along with FTX. Them going down means that their investments are up for grabs. As a matter of fact, we've seen Goldman Sachs is bidding for some of them, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see other big banks trying to snatch up these assets like invest equity in companies, et cetera. But also some of these investments might not make it due to a lack of funding, or maybe they won't get purchased. There are knock-on effects, as I mentioned last week and the week before. We have Voyager Digital bankruptcy bailout was halted. BlockFi filed for bankruptcy. Digital Capital Group and their subsidiary Genesis Trading are even bigger investors in this space. If DCG goes down or Genesis, it will bring crypto to its knees. I do believe we'll be able to get back up if this happens, but public perception is going to continue to dwindle as this goes on. When will it stop? What else is going down with this contagion? And what is the latest? Let's dive right in. I'm going to share my screen. You can use links below to follow along. All right. SBF or Sam Bankman Freed. Remember, he's the uh, person going around. He's the CEO. He's the person that's probably going to get all the blame for this. Um, SBF has been going around giving a bunch of interviews. Some believe he is ignorantly incriminating himself, and some believe he is doing a PR tour to change the narrative. He does not seem to be worried about going to jail, or that is that exactly what he's trying to avoid? The DOJ and the SEC are supposedly working together to probe these companies with regards to this collapse. We are not sure if changes will be brought, but it seems inevitable there will be lawsuits. As a matter of fact, Larry David, Kevin O'Leary, and Tom Brady have had class action suits brought against them. Some people believe they have a responsibility for being a spokesperson. Do you? Please, let me know. Leave a comment below. I think that it's ridiculous to, act, act, to expect an actor who's worried about nailing their lines to have to do due diligence on every company that they speak for. Now, the first interview we will discuss that Sam Bankman Freed did was with author Kelsey Piper, uh, and that's with Vox or Vox.com. The title is Sam Bankman Freed Tries to Explain Himself, the Fallen Crypto CEO on What Went Wrong, Why He Did What He Did, and What Lies He Told Along the Way. 
This interview seems to ebb and flow with SBF sounding like he was incompetent running a business to being shady AF and was pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Check this out. Let's. I'm going to read some of these tweets. They, I guess they're not tweets. They're uh, direct messages between the author of this article and Sam Bankman-Fried. So it says, um, the author says, you said a lot of stuff about how you want to make regulations, just good ones. Was that pretty much just PR too? And then Sam Bankman-Fried says, there's no one really out there making sure good things happen and bad things don't. And he goes down, usually there's only one toggle, do more or do less. Yeah, it's just PR. Fuck regulators. Excuse my language. That's I'm just reading it here. They make everything worse. They don't protect consumers at all. So if you were paying attention to the show or the space, then you would know that Sam Bankman-Fried was all over the regulators really per- lobbying them, going to hearings, like very active in the space when it comes to uh, getting regulation. So I imagine this is kind of a slap in the face to anybody that he spoke to. And um, I'm I'm wondering how sentiment is going to be on Capitol Hill. Now, don't now just so you know, I will be dropping an interview with George Leonardo from Cap Hill Crypto. He is going to give us an update on what's happening on Capitol Hill. That'll be this weekend. So we can dive a little more into that. All right. So I'm going to keep moving on here. There's a couple some other messages that I think are important. Uh, the author, the interviewee, or sorry, the interviewer says I was just re-listening re-listening to the conversation we had this summer about what you should you should or unethical sorry I was just re-listening to that conversation we had this summer about whether you should do unethical shit for the greater good and Sam says what did I say and the interviewer says you were like nah don't do unethical shit like if you're running Philip Morris no one's going to want to work with you on philanthropy and he goes he And then the interviewer goes, and there's a risk of doing more harm than good, but even if you subtract that out, pretty not worth it. And Sam says, yeah. So the author continues on and says, I was trying to figure out like if this, if that was just a PR off the cuff answer. And Sam Bangman Fried says, man, all the dumb shit I said, it's not true. Not really. And the author says, yeah, I thought it might not be. And Sam goes on to say, everyone goes around pretending that perception reflects reality. It doesn't. Some of this decade's greatest heroes will never be known. And some of its most beloved people are basically shams. And the author then says, asks, so you kind of don't believe in like doing unethical shit. So anything other than judgment, we bestow upon the losers. And then Sam Bankman-Fried responds saying, a month ago, CZ was walking a walking example of don't do unethical shit or your money is worthless. Now he's a hero. Is it because he's virtuous or because he had the bigger balance sheet and so he won? And then uh, it keeps going on. So then the author says, so the, the ethics stuff, was it mostly a front? People like you, if you win and hate you, if you lose, and that's how it all really works. That didn't make any sense. I'm going to reread it. It says, so this ethics stuff, mostly a front, question mark. People will like you if you win and hate you if you lose. And that's how it all really works, question mark. 
So basically he's saying, yo, did you just put up a front on this ethics stuff? Are you just worried about winning and losing? And Sam says, yeah, I mean, that's not all of it, but it's a lot. The worst quadrant is sketchy and lose. The best is win and what? And then the if you if you're clean, as in you don't do bad things and you lose, it's not it's bad, but it's not terrible. So he's basically saying that um he's really about people's perception of him and uh being a winner or a loser. So then the interviewer goes on to say, You were really good at talking about ethics for someone who kind of saw it all as a game of winners and losers. And Sam responds, ha, yeah, or sorry. Sam responds, yeah, he, he, I had to be, it's with reputations are, it's what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those who get fucked by it, by this dumb game. We woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleths. And so everyone likes us shibboleths. I looked it up and it means like, um, standards. Uh, let me just pull that back up real quick. Yeah, shibboleths, according to Oxford languages, is a custom principle or belief distinguishing a particular class or group of people. So he's basically saying, like, I had to put myself up there in a certain limelight. I had to be except, be in a certain group of people. It got me. It's got I mean, you can kind of pull a lot of it out of this. He's basically saying that all the ethics stuff was mostly a game like he might have believed in some of it. But he's also saying, like, he had to do that in order to be successful, get the meetings with people, uh, effectively lobby, get investment, etc. So. Uh, I don't know what you think about all this. If you're following it, if you're reading something different, I would love to hear it, but um, I'm going to keep moving on. So Sam Mangan Free goes on to explain that he made a mistake and that the world is not black and white and all this was just a big F up. So let's keep moving. I'm going to switch articles. I got another piece here. They talk. Here's another one. Author Augustine or Augustine. Kovarubas, Kovra, Kovarubias writes on the Effective Altruism Forum. And I talked a little bit about effective altruism in last week's episode. And uh, basically, it's this like group of think, group of thought that's come out of, or sorry, this like ideology that has come out of MIT about being frugal and giving your money away. And every dollar you spend uh, that is not on some necessity is a dollar that you took away from a child that is starving. So that is the basic under my basic understanding of it. Now, the people on in this group are writing on these forums and they're talking about Sam Bankman Freed's recent live interview at Deal Book Summit. So they, of course, do not want their uh, reputation to be tarnished. And there's some debate about whether or not this is good or bad for effective altruism. And um, I don't really know how important that part is, but the important part is what did he say at this New York Times Deal Book Summit interview? So this also happened. So I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here. The summary is that SBF tried to frame the collapse as a series of mistakes propped by the, his ignorance on different aspects of counting risk management and what was happening at Alameda. As the New York Times reports, part of his narrative seems to contradict evidence regarding the commingling of funds between FTX and Alameda. For the most part, SBF also backed off many of the statements he made at Kelsey Piper's interview. That's the interview I just talked about from Vox, where he said, oh, yeah, that ethics stuff was all a front. He's especially regarding what some interpreted back then as him confessing 
of trying to deceive the public. Besides the occasional mention of donations, there is no mention of effective altruism. So Sam Bankman fried seems to moving the narrative away from effective altruism, seems to be moving it away uh, from his ethics sham, uh, which is very interesting because uh, that is, you know, not what he was saying in this this, pre, this other interview. So why is he doing that? Let's go down. Um, so they're going to talk about some things he said at the Deal Book Summit. I got a couple bullets here. Uh, he's uh, Sam Bankman fried said... Or sorry, the question was, was there commingling of funds? And Sam Bangman-Fried said, I didn't knowingly commingle funds. I was surprised out as to how exposed Alameda's position was. So he's not saying that they didn't commingle funds, but they didn't do it on purpose. Third, this next point, he says, I wasn't running Alameda. I didn't know exactly what was going on. Obviously, that is pretty bad mistake on my part. It was pretty big oversight. So he's just saying that I just failed to be a good business person. Like, I'm sorry, and it sucks, and I'm here to explain myself. And then regarding the interview he did on Vox with Kelsey Piper, he attempted to recontextualize the comments he made on doing good as merely differenti differentiating between real impact and other instrumental donations for the business. His answer was not entirely clear regarding public deception. He later declared, I was as truthful as I'm knowing knowledgeable to be. I don't know of times when I lied. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If he gets away with this, this is uh, going to set a precedent for people just like kind of, you know, you could intend to scam people and just keep shitty books and uh, then say, oh, I just did it on accident. And look at me, my books suck. And and then you get somebody like your the bankruptcy person that comes in to FTX that's like, oh, my gosh, this is uh, such a mess. I mean, this precedent is terrible. If they let him get away with this, you know, you're going to find you're going to hear this happen again. He also said he didn't knowingly commit fraud on anyone. You know, I don't know. Is it important that you knew you were committing fraud or is it important that you, you know, is ignorance an excuse to uh, not obey the law? I mean, if he's making statements and he didn't knowing know that they were false then he didn't have intent to deceive. So is that still, is that okay? It's little okay. I don't, I don't. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like someone's got to pay. and um, But maybe it's just uncivil. Maybe it's not criminal. What do you think? Let me know. Leave a comment below. And I am moving on. So Sam Bankman-Free jumped into a Twitter space with Mar Mario Nafal. Mario is a serial entrepreneur and respected name in crypto. And yes, all this happened in the since the last time we spoke. It's since the last time I, I, I did an episode. So it's a lot, I know. Sam he wasn't the only one asking questions. Mario wasn't. Sam Bankman-Free got into this, this Twitter space with a bunch of influencers, and they were asking very tough questions. Let me play you a clip. Uh, let me just do one thing real quick. I'm going to stop my screen share and I'm going to have to maximize or optimize for video clips so you can hear the sound. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. Bam. Okay. So I'm going to play you this clip and this is kind of what was happening in this interview. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, man. While we bring up the guest, go ahead. Fantastic. 
Hey, Sam, uh, did you or any of your business entities or family members ever make any donations to political parties or politicians on the Bahamas? I, I'm not sure, not to my knowledge. You can't just say that with, answer that with yes or no? Uh, I don't. I don't know of cases where we where we did. I. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily know if like someone had at some point made some donation on behalf of some entity. Um. Uh. But like, I don't know of that uh, having happened. Okay. Have you and your lawyers been in touch with the U.S. Department of Justice about your case? I can't talk about you know a specific communications or lack thereof with specific you know regulatory agencies. Um, but uh, obviously, we'd be, you know, uh, looking to engage constructively if, um, you know, if and when uh, that were to happen. You know, the reason I'm asking is in several interviews, you pointed out that FTX US has enough funds yep. to pay US customers. Yes. Is that a strategy to ensure that the US Department of Justice doesn't charge you with a crime because the DOJ doesn't have jurisdiction over foreign FTX customers? I mean, it's a true fact. It's like FTX US was, in fact, a segregated business, and it didn't have, um, you know, any of the properties that 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 led to the issues on FTX International. And so, you know, to my knowledge, it, it is uh, solvent, and um, uh, and that doesn't take away what happened on the international platform. Um, but so this new, this is a relatively like. Well, I don't know if it's that new, but it's new since I we last spoke. Um, I last spoke with you and shared shared this stuff with you. So I've consumed probably like seven, eight hours of content. Uh, and this is something that I think is starting to peak out a little bit is uh, what he's saying here. So just listen up. I But I don't know, at least it's something. Have you transferred funds to FTX US before the bankruptcy to enable this defense? You know, this whole thing about FTX US being a completely separate business and FTX uh, Japan being a completely separate business and them having the money and how they shouldn't have filed bankruptcy is creating, uh, I foresee if it hasn't already, creating a narrative about some sort of corruption by some establishment to take down FTX and fire sale their assets to allow established banks to start buying those assets. Uh, this is a narrative that's kind of... Uh, been pushed by a lot of YouTubers that the established like financial system will try to bring crypto down so they can gobble it up and be the controllers of the space and the largest holders and investors in the space. Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big like reach, um, but it is not impossible. But I, I, you heard it here first. I foresee some new conspiracy theory coming out, and I don't know if he's doing that intentionally or what, but it definitely feels that way. Strategy? Uh, no, FTX US. So what I'm doing now is I'm getting coffeezilla on, as you can In see. In some of your recent interviews, you use piece of accounting. A real quick second follow-up. Okay, so here's another question about commingling funds. Um, so I've talked to a few Alameda insiders, and I've kind of run them by your uh, story of things. I think you probably are aware. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical. Um, and they, one of them, when I told them, like, sort of like, could it be that Sam wouldn't know about this? Somebody who worked with you. And 
they actually like they laughed and they said there's no way he's like he's like claiming to be stupid now when he was like this genius wonder kid and so my sense of things is how do you explain this how do you explain the fact that you're some of some of the people who worked with you for years your employees have come out and said there's no way he didn't know about these back doors there's no way he didn't know what caroline was doing when you guys were very close the offices were right next to each other i mean how do you expect us to believe this story you're spinning coffee's on point here i mean i i don't know what to say like i i had a lot going on um and i was spread thin i was a bit less grounded than I had been before. Um, and I lost track of a lot of important things. And I, I mean, I think that those well, are- well, Hang on one second. I think spread thin is one thing, right? Like I think, you know, things can get out of hand, but we're talking about a fundamental understanding of whether Alameda was commingling funds with FTX. I mean, I saw your Stephanopoulos and Sorkin interview and you're pretty categorical that you had no idea that you were mingling funds. So that's what I'm asking about. Not like, did you know exactly what was happening on November 7th or 8th? I mean, I can understand sort of things getting out of control, but we're talking about the most fundamental grasp on how your business worked. You're telling us you had no idea. I was not aware of a lot of what was going on. I was vaguely aware that some of these systems existed. Um, I had no details of them and, uh, and I, I you know, was not spending much time uh, and on uh, looking at, you know, position risk management. It was a big. Okay, so I'll save you from that. Like the way he talks is a little painful to listen to. Uh, he eventually gets around to to it, but um, he uh, he he's basically kind of repeating a lot of the same stuff. He did this the first time I heard him uh, say that um, a lot of the money was never ever actually moved to uh whatchamacallit um like the money was never actually moved to ftx like like ftx had uh no bank account at the time so they were just like oh well maybe and i think that might be in the next in the next one here so uh let me just see before i start yeah, no, it's not. And I, I don't know where, where it is. But if you listen to this episode, to that interview, and uh, there's some other stuff online, you can verify this information, but it's all in these links. Um, but he actually, with his own mouth, said that FTX didn't have a bank account. So they told they had people wire all the money that was wired to FTX went through Alameda's bank account so they use alameda as the on-ramp for fiat currency to go into cryptocurrency but the thing is the money never actually got transferred from alameda to ftx and he says there's like eight billion dollars that was never tanned. so they double spent eight billion dollars basically so when you pulled up your ftx app you saw money on there but it was just it was just a computer software telling you you had money and you were playing funny money games it was like a video game uh meanwhile alameda was using their money to just go ham on making bets and investing and stuff some things they seem the investments seem to be super awesome and some of their trades or you know may have been super nuts but um ultimately that is definitely a hundred percent what happened no doubt read it here listen to it here from his own mouth in that the link will be in the description below from that video
Okay, so I'm going to move on. Uh, this is our last piece uh, of updates on FTX, Alameda, and SBF. And it's from author Chase Peterson Whithorn. Uh, and it's from Forbes. And it's exclusive. Sam Bankman-Fried knew plenty about his Alameda Research head fund and sent details to Forbes just months ago. I don't know about you, but this is a big deal for Forbes titles, something like this. The article discusses their back and forth with Sam Bankman-Fried regarding his worth to be on Forbes' list of billionaires. He sent financial statements to Forbes. They show that his net worth was using $9 billion worth of FTT tokens. These are the same tokens they used to buy Binance's stake. If you remember, CZ announced that they're going to sell their FTT tokens. They got these all these FTT tokens because that's how FTX bought out Binance because Binance was one of their first investors in FTX. So they were like, okay, cool. We're going to buy you out and we're going to own you. Well, Alameda was like, well, I, we're going to own FTX. We'll take, we'll buy Binance's stake. But they used FTT tokens. <laughs> That's like me making my own currency that no one uses except for when they do business only with me. And then I use that money to buy my own business from somebody else. It's like having a, I have a partner. So say you invest in me and then I'm like, I'm going to buy you out and I'm going to give you these tokens that you could only use when you do business with me. And it's like, but then the buyer has to get rid of those tokens uh, in order to realize the actual profits because they can't use the money anywhere else. Anyway, I mean, this whole thing looks like such amateur hour. This was like this. Like if it keeps could it keep going on this way? Like, I don't see how anyone could have thought that it could keep going on this way. Um, they had to know they couldn't keep running their business like this, right? Maybe they could. What do you think? Oh, let's, well, let's read what, um, let's read what Forbes has to say. All right. Let's see. Where is it? Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So... Let's see, where is it? Okay, here we go. The level of detail Bankman Freed provided to Forbes over the years shows that he had detailed knowledge of some of Alameda's holdings and at least some knowledge of the transactions it was making. Especially in 2021, despite stepping back from the running the hedge fund after co-founding FTX in 2019, Bankman Freed long insisted the two businesses operate independently from one another, though he is a shareholder of both. It remains unclear how involved he was in Alameda's operations, and his conversations with Forbes don't necessarily show that he was aware of all of the hedge fund's activities. The snapshots he sent were clearly incomplete, listing only major holdings, and he explained only a few major transactions, such as token purchases in 2021. Bankman-Fried has said Alameda ran into trouble in recent months. He declined to comment for his this story. Okay, so then I'm going to read a little bit more. Uh, it goes down in here. In August, Forbes pressed Bankman Freed for more details on his assets and liabilities, you know, because they got to keep up to date, making sure that they got the accurate information for their list of billionaires, you know, and he definitely seemed to like the limelight. So it's no surprise that he was trying to get on this list, including a breakdown of Alameda's balance sheet, both its investments in any debt it owns. So they were looking for details about everything. And he sent an email saying, working on it, opening the possibility that he went digging into Alameda's books at least as, as recently as late August, more than a month before he said this week, he became aware of what the business was up to. We'll see what I get. I can get, Bankman Freed wrote later that day, a bunch is spread between a ton of wallets and he never sent more details. All right, so... 
basically this is that's the story that's the news let me know what you all think uh to me this is kind of gearing up like you know maybe he didn't go into this thing intentionally trying to scam people but uh Things were working and they never kind of questioned whether or not what they were doing was right or wrong. And um, I'm not really sure that that's the type of uh, business owners that we want in the world. And we definitely don't want them in crypto in a new space. And uh, he's really ruining the reputation of the space, something that's already kind of surrounded by FUD. And um, so anyway, what do you think about this? Do you think that uh, he has criminal liability or do you think that he's a civil liability? He's just going to get sued for all the money he doesn't have. Uh, let me know. Leave a comment below. I'd love to hear from you. Have a good day. Hoddle on.